Okay, this might be the ultimate fangirl moment. Last year, when I saw Todd Tillman win The Voice, and I saw how amazing his wife, Brooke, was, and then all their kids, I knew their story would make a great book. The cool thing is, over the last year, I've got to work on the book with Todd and Brooke. It's called Every Little Win. Every Little Win is Todd and Brooke's story that really shares all the little things that led up to God using them in this big win of The Voice. And it's an amazing story, and they're going to tell you a little bit about it in their own words. Uh, in our book, Every Little Win, what I really hope you learn is that you don't have to have enough money. And maybe you think the opportune time has already passed, but it has not. You can still get that victory regardless of those things. Our book, Every Little Win, is about you may think that you've messed up too bad or you've gone too far for God to redeem it, but that's not true. We want to show you and empower you that with God, all your stories are redeemable. How fun is that? I'm so excited about that book. You can find out more information at everylittlewinbook.com. And if you haven't heard Todd sing, just go to YouTube, put in Todd Tillman, T-I-L-G-H-M-A-N. You are going to have a blast discovering this amazing artist. You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart-to-heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, today on Walk It Out, we're going to be talking about changing the world by reaching out to one neighbor at a time. We're going to be doing that by talking to two brothers. Let me introduce them. Dave Ferguson is an award-winning author and lead pastor at Community Christian Church in Chicago. He provides visionary leadership for the international church planting movement, New Thing, and is the president of the Exponential Conference. As the co-founding pastor of Community Christian Church, John Ferguson serves as one of its lead teaching pastors and provides leadership in new ventures. He also helped co-launch New Thing and serves on the board of directors at the Exponential Conference. Now, before there were pastors and working together in the church, I hear there was a D&J Lawn Service. So these guys have been working together for a long time. So welcome, guys, and just tell me about that. Uh, I don't I don't think there's been a time where we weren't working together. And yeah, so, you know, every neighborhood uh, needs yards mowed. Ours needed mowing. And so uh, being entrepreneurial, we started this lawn service together and knocking on doors and saying, hey, can we mow your yard and clip your yard? So you were really connecting with neighbors. I mean, right from the beginning, just in different ways. I'd like to say at that point, it was about uh, sharing the gospel or good news with them, but I think it was more about just making money. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, the totally kids. My kids, I have 10 kids. They're all about trying to figure out how to make some more money. Um, and you, I've heard you got into trouble too, breaking the backboard. 
what was that about? Uh, well, that happened a little later on. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think I was getting ready to try out for junior high basketball, which of course is the biggest deal in any little dude's life. And we were changing the net, and I said, "Okay, John, come here. Uh, I'm going to get on your shoulder. No, I was going to get on the chair. Just hold the chair. Whatever you do, don't move the chair while I'm changing the net on the basketball hoop." And being a little brother, John decided to not hold the chair. I'm hanging on the hoop, and all of a sudden it breaks off oh no which of course as a little dude trying to get ready for basketball tryouts i was furious and i went i don't what happened after that john <laughs> what happened <laughs> after that I, I ran as fast as i could into the house up the stairs and locked myself in the bedroom because i thought <laughs> you were going to tear me from limb to limb <laughs> <laughs> oh I was hoping some... mom might protect me. That's what I was hoping. Did did mom protect you? Uh, yeah, actually, I think she did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, mom. That's what moms are for. Exactly. To protect. Well, I had so much fun um, reading through your new book, which is called Bless, B-L-E-S-S, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change Your World. So I would just love to hear where those letters, the acronym came from. Um, so whoever wants to share with that, that'd be great. Yeah, I can, I'll, I can, I can start. I mean, I think, I think the whole idea really came kind of uh, trying to solve a problem that we had and probably even a problem that we felt like people in our church later on had. Cause I remember early on, like when I first really made a commitment to being a follower of Jesus, like, you know, you're excited about this grace. You're excited about the difference it made. And so I basically kind of just started verbally assaulting anybody I could get near mm. the good news, you know, and, and I think I was probably also encouraged to, Hey, you got to have a testimony. You need to share, share the gospel. And so I did it, but in doing so, I ended up, I think, alienating people, um, having lots of awkward, weird conversations and, um, kind of really going, okay, this doesn't work. And then kind of flipped the other way where I was going, okay, well, I'm just going to live my life. And then people will know Jesus. And they really didn't really even no, they thought I was a good guy, but it didn't make a difference in, in their relationship with God. Maybe, John, you can pick up where we went from there. Yeah, well, I think, like like Dave said, you know, we were, um, I think we were experiencing a frustration that a lot of other people were experiencing. And, uh, you know, sensing that in the lives of the people at our church, uh, the people we talked to from other churches. And I think, as Dave said, we, we felt blessed and, you know, mm. like, wow, we discovered something um, amazing in this relationship with Christ and wanted everybody else to experience that too. And we didn't just want to hope uh, people would find their way back to God. That's kind of the language we use at community. We actually wanted to help people find their way back to God and, and experience the good news of Jesus. Um, one of the steps that was kind of interesting along the way is we found, we came upon this um, doctoral dissertation and uh, Dave and I don't typically include dissertations in our casual reading, but <laughs> this one was really interesting. I, if I could just share it with you briefly. Yeah, absolutely. It's titled Blessers versus Converters. And the study was based on two teams of missionaries that went to Thailand, uh, but they went with two distinctly different strategies. Uh, the converters went with the sole intent of converting people and evangelizing. The blessers went with the intent of just blessing people. They'd say, we just are here to bless whoever comes our way. And so the study followed these two groups for a couple of years. And, and here's what they found. First, they found that the blessers, that group, their presence in the community resulted in all sorts of like social good, you know, a better society, a better community life. And interestingly, interestingly enough, they saw nothing like that from the converter group. Mm. There wasn't this, you know, better community experience like they saw with the blessers. 
Secondly, and this was most surprising, the blessers actually had 50 times as many people find their way back to God as the converters. The blessers actually helped 50 times more people find their way back to God. And so for us, that was another realization. You know, there's something to this. The best way really to accomplish the Jesus mission is, um, is to simply bless people. I love that so much. So what do the letters stand for? Yeah, very, very good. Well, when we looked at the life of Jesus, we began to see these practices and we mm-hmm. kind of took these practices that, that he used in his life, not added to his life. And then we put them in this simple kind of acronym that we felt like everybody could easily understand and easily apply every day of their life. And so uh, the B stands for begin with prayer. Uh, the L stands for listen. The E stands for eat, one we all like. Uh, S stands for serve. And then the last S stands for story. And we can unpack those if you want. Yeah. And I, I think really, I mean, just on the top, looking at them, it is connecting with people. It is, you know, not just talking to them, but, you know, sharing with them, listening to them, which I love so much. And I remember our first mission trip that I took, it was in 98. We had 15 teenagers, my husband and I, a couple other couples. And after, you know, really talking to other missionaries and they said, you know, people, we really just need you to come and get them to trust Christians and become Mm. curious about Jesus. And that was the first step. I think so many times we think we need to go and share all these points and steps and this and that. And then once we got them to trust us and become curious why we were there, build friendships, then they started asking questions. Why, why are you here? What do you believe? What does it look like you know, in your society? And it was so much different than what you think you have to do when you have to go and just all of a sudden you have you know, 10 days and you need to totally convert this whole population. That, that's really helpful, Tricia. And, and I think what you're going to find as we talk about these blessed practices is that's exactly what they do. We can't even joke with people. What, what you have here is almost like a remedial course in how to make friends with people. Mm-hmm. And there's also, I think I'd add this too, there's also a, um, to use kind of a big word, epigenetic, they, they kind of build up on each other. So there's a reason that we have story last and that we have prayer first and you have eating in the middle. And, and it really does give you kind of a a, uh, here's, here's a way to live your life that you can build friendships that will give you the opportunity <clears throat> to share, you know, the love of God with other people. Okay. So I want to hear that. I want to hear why you, you believe this is the order that really can help connect with people. Love it. Uh, John, why don't you take that one? Sure. Yeah. And if I could just back up a minute too, the, Trisha, interesting thing is that the whole idea of being a blessing isn't new either. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go all the way back to Genesis when God told Abraham, you know, go from your country and your people in your household, and I will show you a land, and I will bless you, and you will be a blessing, and all people will be blessed through you. So, uh, you know, we were from back in Genesis, <laughs> uh, the mission was for us to bless others. And so, um, yeah, so we begin with prayer. And, uh, uh, you know, when Jesus, again, going back to the life of Jesus, that's what he did. Uh, before he even started his ministry in Luke 6, we read that he went out on a mountain um, and he prayed. Uh, over and over, we see Jesus retreating to pray. And so we, we like to tell people when it comes to this whole idea of being a blessing, which is essentially, I think, what you were doing on your mission trip there, Tricia. Um, you know, if you're not sure who God's calling you to bless, like Jesus, just begin with prayer. And so prayer is how you can discover uh, your mission or who God might want you to bless. It's also how you can live it out. If you already know the people you want to bless, maybe there's a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a family member, then begin praying for those people now. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and, yes. and here's the thing prayer counts like like that counts as a way 
uh, to be on mission as a way to bless people. I think so often we think, well, you know, what else can I do besides pray? Well, prayer is probably the best thing you can do. Let's put God's power to work at first. Um, and then if you're wondering how to pray, well, start by praying for them in the way you would want someone to pray for you. It's almost like the golden rule of prayer. So, so yeah, the whole idea of bless is um, begins with prayer. That's the, that's the beat. And I like that because even people that may not you know, say they have a faith, if you say, can I pray about that? I've never had someone say no. I might in the future, but so far haven't. Yeah. Um, and then if I follow up and say, how is your dad doing? They are so amazed that, you know, a week later I'm asking about that and you've been praying. Yeah. And it does build that trust in you and that, that relationship, that little seed is planted there because you care. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and Tricia, I don't even know if it's almost like <clears throat> I'd say you're unconsciously competent because notice what you did. You said you told you prayed for him first and then you checked back in and you said, hey, how is it going? I mean, you're listening then, which is the second. Mm. That's the second step. And you didn't go, hey, I, you didn't pray with him then kind of like, hey, let me give you the four spiritual laws. Let me give you ask you the two diagnostic questions or whatever it is you're going to No, You go, I, I'm interested in you not as a project, but as a person. And so you listen, and, that, and that's the second step. And it really does. What, what we have found over and over again, and, and the people in our church that now have been using this for the last eight years, have found that listening really is one of the best ways to love people. And I mean, just to be real frank, I, I think that Christians these days are probably no, more, known more for their talking absolutely, than their listening. And we could probably accomplish a lot more, I think, for the kingdom if we were, you know, taking a relational interest in people, listen to their story, lean in rather than answering questions they're not asking. And I think when we start listening and we just get to know people and ask about their lives and they're telling us about things, we almost feel like we need to say, oh, well, you really shouldn't be doing that. Or, you know, (laughs) I mean, we want to reprimand them even as we start listening to them. And I know that's going to shut down a friendship right away if Absolutely. I, you know, because they don't have our morals. And I tell even my teenagers that, um, you know, I've, of course that person is going to be talking that way because they weren't raised the same as you. They don't have the morals. That doesn't mean that they're not interested in building a friendship, but right away we can't jump in and just start telling them everything we think they're doing wrong because that is not going to help at all. No, and we, we talk about, it's like all along the way, as you're praying and listening and eating, all these things. You're paying the relational rent. That's mm. paying the relational rent. Well, and, and if you look at the life of Jesus, I mean, he asked way more questions than he answered. Um, one, uh, one researcher we found said that of the 183 different questions Jesus was asked, he only answered a handful. Uh, most of the time he just responded uh, with more questions of his own, <laughs> you know. And so he, he modeled this idea of listening and really one of the best ways to listen or places to listen to somebody is um, over a meal, which mm-hmm. really leads us to the, to the next practice. The B is begin with prayer. The L is for listen. And then the E is for eat, which is uh, definitely Dave and my, that's our favorite of these five. Is, is the- <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Jesus liked to eat and uh, he shared meals with people over and over again, tax collectors, sinners. Uh, he was known as a, as a, as a friend of sinners. And uh, there's just something about sharing a meal together that seems to move almost any relationship past acquaintance toward friendship faster than just about anything else we can do. I and love it. Yeah. When I, I was reading that in your, oh, I was saying, when I was reading that in the book, when that he was called a friend of sinners, I mean, I have read that uh, a thousand times and it just in your book, the way you put it, just like 
Yes, yes. He was known as that because he was building friendships and building relationships. That just really, I just have to say, that was like a, a neon light on the page because I'd never saw it that way before. Right. Yeah, what, what a tremendous compliment, right? That he was known as someone who could relate to anybody and everybody. And, you know, like Dave said, I think, unfortunately or sadly, in our current culture, Christians are more known for talking than listening. And uh, what an impact we could have if we just began sharing meals with people and really sought to understand each other better. Um, I mean, Tricia, how, I mean, how many times do you eat in a week? We, most of us three times a day, seven times a week, right? 21 times. And that's not including the coffees and desserts that some of us have on top of that. Yeah. And so what I love about the idea of eating as a way to bless people, to reach people for with, with the, the good news is we're not asking you to add anything to your schedule. We're just saying include people in something that you're already doing. That's really good. When we, um, I started a teen mom support group here in Little Rock, oh, about 10 years ago now. And, you know, I wanted to provide education for these young moms. I had been a young mom. And so we had these young moms coming and their babies. We had childcare set up. And I realized when they were there, like they were hungry. So we'd have a <laughs> couple snacks and this, the snacks weren't cutting it. And so we just started having a meal. So we'd mm. always have a meal. And they said, hey, can my mom come? Can my cousin yeah. come? And so pretty soon we just, and I found more connection and relationship built as we ate together, sitting around, scooping out spaghetti, talking with them, talking with their mom who happened to come. Then even in the meeting where we're instructing them about parenting and this and that, um, so doing true. devotions, whatever, it was around the table. We got to hear about their lives and what's going on and those relationships. And I still get you know, messages for girls that were in those meetings 10 years mm. ago. Um, can you pray for me? How's it going? I mean, yeah. they're just, that connection is there. And you're so right. It was the eating around the table together that really built that relationship. Is there an easier way to share the love of Jesus with friends and family? The simple answer is yes. Dave and John Ferguson, brothers, pastors, and authors, have found five simple, straightforward practices that will allow any believer to do just that. They share these in BLESS, five everyday ways to love your neighbor and change the world. BLESS is available now wherever books are sold. So good. Right. Okay, so let's move on. We got the eating. What's, what's the S's? Let's move on to the S's. All right. The first, the first S is serve. And this is, again, <clears throat> just kind of to illustrate how they kind of build on each other. And I, I, I love the stories you're telling. It's kind of like, I mean, usually with these kind of uh, practices, you have like 3% of the population that just kind of intuitively just get it and do it. And I think you're one of those people, Tricia. That's my hunch. Um, but this first S is just is serve. Because mm -hmm. after you've prayed for them, after you've listened to them, after you've eaten together, and it might be a Starbucks, it might be a meal, it might be, you know, a breakfast that you have, you know, once every week or once a month. After you've done that, what happens is you, they will tell you how you can serve them. They'll, they'll actually tell you, here's, here's the places that in my life that I am struggling I, in my marriage or man, trying to raise these kids or financially or vocationally or emotionally. I mean, they're going to, they're going to tell you where you can serve them. And that gives you the opportunity then to serve and to love them. Yeah. Qu quick example of that. Yeah, we have a neighbor here where I live and we've been praying for her and her husband and their son uh, as part of the blessed practice. We began with prayer 
And then we have conversations with them from time to time because we see them outside. We live next door. So we've been listening. And through the course of the listening, we found out that uh, she was going to be having surgery. And so, you know, it's uh, in the middle of COVID. We couldn't really share a meal face to face. But one of the things we could do is go, you know, buy a meal and provide some food for them. And so that was kind of our way of practicing the eat and eat with our neighbors. And it was also a way that we were able to serve them because she was having surgery. She needed a break from having to make meals too. So it was kind of an interesting time when the eating and the serving sort of collided and came together in one kind of opportunity for us to, to bless our neighbors. Yeah. And that's so good. I think I know you brought up a good point. Like maybe we can't do the face to face meal. Um, but I mean, I've had DoorDash delivered to a friend who was sick and had two little foster kids, um, you know, and those types of things, you can think of ways outside of the box. And I love what you said, because we were praying, we were aware of, you know, we were praying and you were listening, then you become aware of. And I know when we as a family start praying for someone, all of a sudden you're like, Ooh, what can we pray for? Or, Oh, I heard this, or I heard that. It's almost like this secret, you know, spying going on (laughs) because your heart is quickened. You're praying for someone and then it, you start looking. And so this, I love, I mean, you're right. It goes, it lays out naturally because you're, you're first, you're getting your, your mind, you know, and your mouth moving, praying, then your heart is changed in the process. And then when it comes to the eating and then serving, it's like, you're already motivated because mm-hmm. your heart is connected and moved to that person. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and All then, right. go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, go ahead into the, the last S. Sure. Yeah. Well, as Dave said, they, they do kind of flow. And, uh, you know, if you begin with prayer and you mentioned it too, when you're praying, you, you kind of see the world differently. You're sensitized more to what's going on around you and what people are experiencing. And so you listen to folks, you listen to their hopes, their dreams, their fears, their concerns, and then you have an opportunity to share a meal. It could, you know, look like providing a meal via DoorDash, and then you have an opportunity to serve them in some way. What we found is finally that, you know, folks are probably going to ask you, well, okay, what's, what's going on? You're, mm-hmm. you know, you, you uh, seem to be intentional about some of the things that you do. And, uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's what Jesus did when, when people were ready to listen, he would share his story. Like when doubting Thomas came to him asking, how can, well, how can we know the way Jesus said, well, I'm the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the father except through me, a relationship with me. And so what we find is that when you befriend and bless people, they will feel, um, relationally safe. Uh, they'll want to know your story. And um, then you can tell them how the love of Jesus, uh, his life, death, and resurrection um, has changed your your life. And uh, Dave, that uh, research that Barna did, do you have that handy? That I thought that would, would fit right here. I mean, that's so fascinating what he discovered um, that our friends are actually looking for in another person. Do you have that? Yeah. If, if your listeners are, are familiar with the Barna group, that's a hold some weight. If they're not, they're one of the premier research groups out there. And what they did is they asked people that would be in the category of, you know, our friends and neighbors, they ask them, what do you value in a person with whom you talk spiritual matters? And, and this was not a uh, Christian group. In fact, the people that they were interviewing was a distinctly secular group. And, and there were three, three qualities that came to the top that people are looking for with whom they would talk spiritual matters. And so this will sound familiar now, now that we've talked about the blessed practice, but the number one thing they said they were looking for were people who would listen without judgment. The number two thing they said they were looking for is people who would allow them to draw their own conclusions. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like what you said, you know, uh, Trisha, too. I mean, they're not our projects. They're people, you know, I'm not their, you're not their mom. So you yeah. don't tell them how to behave. You pay the relational rent. But then the third thing, and this is kind of 
goes to the story part. They want someone who has confidence in sharing their own perspective. And so it's like after you've listened to the friend, yeah, then they want to hear versus what I did in the early days where I'm assaulting people with my story. And they're going like, who are you? Okay. Since you brought that up again, we need to talk about George because I was just laughing in the beginning of the book about hearing about Hitchhiker George. Yeah. You want me to tell the story? Yes, please tell the story. Okay. So yeah, me, me and my roommate in college, uh, Scott, we had, uh, we, we actually got a scholarship to go to the Billy Graham uh, School of Evangelism. And I think we were somewhat interested, but basically it also, they were going to pay it for us to kind of go there and pay for our meals for a couple of days. So it's kind of like, Hey, road trip, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. And so we go and we get trained in how to, you know, present the gospel and kind of like, Hey, here's how you share your testimony, that kind of stuff. So we're driving back from, it was in Oklahoma city, back to the school. We we're in Missouri and we're driving back and we're totally fired up about this, looking for opportunities. And we see this hitchhiker. And so he's hitchhiking. So we pull over and, you know, and we, we invite him in and he's like, yeah, you know, and of course now we have a captive audience and for the next couple hours, we are just full on everything, nothing about George, <laughs> but full on everything about Jesus. Well, George was in kind of a tough spot. And so he was like, whatever you got, I'm buying it. And so he said yes to Jesus. He got baptized that night because we had literally called we called the pastor of the local church once we got back to the, the town where our school was in. He opened up the church. We baptized him. And then we went to our resident assistant and said, hey, we got a guy just said yes to Jesus. He got baptized. And we would, would love for him to be able to stay here in the dorm because he needs a place to stay for a while. So they said, uh, you know, everybody's good hearted. Everybody has. Yeah. Good, yeah. Including me. Um, well, he spent the night. Well, but the next morning. I think when maybe we went to class or whatever it was. I don't remember the details on that now. Basically, George steals about a hundred bucks from one of my friends, mm. also steals somebody's car and takes off. So I'm not sure the Jesus stuff really stuck. <laughs> He's like, Yes, I will do whatever you say. <laughs> right, exactly. And again, I, mean, I felt like a, an example of one like, man, I was well intentioned. Yeah. Made the relational investment. And uh, I don't think that I don't think it was a you know, the kind of conversion you're looking for where people go like, yeah, I, I, I get this grace thing. I get what it means to find and follow Jesus. <laughs> and, and I found with, um, you know, just especially like talking to teen moms who have never had any exposure to Christianity or faith or what the ones that are qu- almost really quick to like accept it are the ones like I had one that yeah was stealing stuff from my house when she would come to visit. I totally understand. <laughs> but then almost the ones when you are, are they're arguing with you. They're asking questions. They're like, I don't believe that. But then they come back again. Those are the ones I find after a long period when you keep talking. You're not getting mad at them when they disagree with you. Those are the ones that I find have turned to Christ, are living different lives. And it almost is like that battle is going on around them, which we have to go back to. It is a spiritual battle. And I love something else you said. It's not up to us to think of all the right things to say, all the right things to do, that the the Holy Spirit, like God is going to work there. We just need to open the conversations and know that even as we're speaking, we don't have to give the three points, this answer, do this, but the Holy Spirit is at work in their hearts. Yeah. I, I think you, you really hit on something important there, Tricia. I think we, we've somehow, uh, we think it's our job to convince, coerce, cajole, whatever word you want to use, but really it is. It's our job to love people the way Jesus loved people mm-hmm. and then let the Holy Spirit do the work of convicting um, and converting. 
we were we were sharing this with uh, somebody recently, and uh, she seemed to grow up probably like um, maybe you and, and Dave and myself feeling like, you know, it was our job to convert. Mm-hmm. We had to get out there and, you know, convince people. Uh, and she said, I, I grew up thinking I was supposed to be a super converter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I thought, Boy, a lot of people I think can relate to that. And uh, instead, let's let's be a friend of centers. Let's let's bless people. I mean, just imagine if there was a movement of hundreds of thousands or millions of Christ followers across our country, across the world, that just said, "Okay, you know what? My my role in life is to simply bless people in this way. Begin with prayer. Listen, eat, serve. If I have an opportunity, I look for it, take advantage of it to share my story. But you know what? I I may do the beginning with prayer and the listening and the eating. Somebody else might serve." and have the chance to tell their story. But I'm just going to be obedient to this idea of being a blessing and follow those practices that Jesus practiced. Become a, a, a genuine friend to people and let the Holy Spirit do the hard work of convicting and converting. Yeah, and just the part of being a friend of sinners isn't easy. And I know as a mom and I have kids, you know, I've had, my oldest is 31, my youngest is 10. I've had kids in my home wow. always. And then sometimes I've had this question like, okay, I'm bringing this person into my home. This person is not going to be a good example to my kids and really battled with that because, of course, we want to not have all these other influences on our children. And I've been amazed, for one. I think people just know know that, um, you know, because I am opening my home, I've been amazed how respectful people are. So people that may be, you know, at a meeting or something, they're cursing, they're telling this story, they're like, whatever. When they come in my home, they, I mean, they're still, you know, rough around the edges, but they, I found every single time are more respectful. All of a sudden they calm down a little bit and, you know, they respect that, you know, I have the kids there and everything. So I think so many times we are fearful of that. Like, okay, we're befriending these people. They're going to be in our home. And what are we exposing our children to? But I think, again, we just need to leave that in the Lord's hands and know that our kids are seeing that we're reaching out and serving people. And that is more important than you know worrying about what they're going to say or do. And and Trisha, I just want to say this too. What a great example you're being for your kids. I mean, I know there is a risk as a parent when you bring those folks in like that that have diff- a different kind of set of values and stuff. Mm-hmm. Saying no, you know what? They're people that God's love and we that God loves and we need to love them. I mean, seriously, good for you. And I mean, you're being a great example for your kids. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think also what you're doing is you're, you're modeling what it's going to look like for them eventually when they're off maybe at, at college or living on their own or in their future contexts where they're going to be around, you know, people that don't have the same values as them. And so uh, better for them to work it out with you in, in, in the mix right there than to have to figure it out later. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it is. It leads to great conversations. I remember talking to my you know 10 year old daughter because they would overhear something a teen mom said or why does she have a baby now when she's you know mm-hmm. not very much older than me and we we had great conversations and we talked about you know god's good plan and sometimes our sin we make our own choices but all of a sudden i mean we had great conversations and that daughter's now serving overseas um you know witnessing and ministering to people but looking back at the time i'm like oh my goodness i cannot believe i'm having this conversation (laughs) with a 10 year old right now but it is so true they are going to face it they are going to be out there in the world like we can protect them and we definitely want to you know i mean media and television we don't want those things in the home but people we do need to show how Mm. we love and we serve and we care for the people can I throw one more thing at you, Trisha? Absolutely. 
And because um, one of the things, too, that I mean, if you have listeners who are going like, wow, this this I think this could work. And how do I find a way to really kind of make this a rhythm of my life? Um, we, we give kind of two challenges at the end of the book is one is this. Just try to do one of these every day. And so like one of the things I do every day when I journal, I just write bless at the bottom of my my journal. And then I, I write the names of eight of my neighbors that I'm praying for. Mm. And that can that counts. Um, but I'm also looking for opportunities to listen, to eat, to serve and story. But I would say that just, just, you know, in your flow of your life, do one of these every day. And then if you do have a small group that you're a part of, or if it, maybe, maybe you want to form a blessed group. What we found is if at the beginning of that group, if especially if it meets on a weekly basis, just start with the conversation of who'd you bless this week. And if you just prayed for somebody, that totally counts. That's awesome. 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 But then just ask the question, who'd you bless this week? And those two things, along with the practices we found, can really be game changers uh, for how, how people uh, love their neighbors. And if enough of us do us do it, can change the world. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought about brought up like maybe doing it with a small group, because when I was reading this book, I thought this would be perfect for a small group. And if you know, I know a lot of groups aren't meeting in person right now, a Zoom call with your friends across the country, you could get, you know, get on there. This is what I'm praying for. This is what I'm blessing. And then, you know, I think this is a great way. It's so simple and practical, like to hear you guys and to read the book again. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like so something I can do every day, something I could teach my teens and my kids to do every day. And so I really appreciate it. Again, the book is Bless, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. And where can people just go to find more information about this book and about you guys? Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, you can get it on Amazon. That's probably <laughs> easiest. But we also have a landing page, which is uh, www.bless-book.org, bless-book.org. And uh, John and I both have uh, websites. So if you want to go to daveferguson.org, there's other books and resources there. And of course, John is johnferguson.org. Well, I just appreciate you guys hanging out with me today. I love hearing your stories about your lawn service, (laughs) (laughs) broken broken basketball backboard and all the things. But really, I just appreciate what you're doing and how you're just, just inviting us to join you as you bless your community. So I really appreciate that. Thanks, Our Trisha. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks a lot, Trisha. How fun was that to talk to two brothers about their passion for reaching people with the good news of Christ just by being friends with them? And I love their heart and I love their there's the, the passion behind just reaching out, not having all the answers, not trying to convince people, and that they've learned this from real experiences. The story about George, the homeless guy that they, um, you know, led to Christ, baptized him and who <laughs> stole um, money and a car from them the next day just goes to show us that, you know, sometimes we try to get these quick fixes and we're going to have all the answers and save the world. But really, it does come down to those relationships. And one thing that I love that they said in their book, Bless, um, to bless your neighbor, Jesus invites you to listen And how they mentioned that over and over again, Jesus asked questions. Um, People knew that he was interested in them and what they had to say. Sometimes we might be shocked by the answers that people give Jesus. But the fact that he listened and he then responded and he saw their hearts is such a wonderful example to us. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't need to have a answer to begin with. We just need to listen. We need to let people know we care. We need to open our doors uh, when we're able to do that again. And we need to really just show love in those very simple ways that really 
lead to amazing results. But again, it's not about the results. It's about the relationships that we build, the friendships that we build, the connections that we build that just show people that we care. So today's walk it up first is John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And it must have been so obvious for those walking with Jesus to say, oh, I see you loving people. I see you being the friend of sinners. I see you sitting down, listening to people, asking questions, um, healing the blind and healing the sick and just getting to know people. People treasured being with him. Of course, there were those who were just about the miracles, but Jesus made people feel comfortable and he was, he drew people to them. And if um, he can do that, then we can do that too. So again, that is John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So let me just pray for us. Dear heavenly father, I just thank you so much for your example and the example that Christ gave us as he walked on earth. Lord, it's so amazing that people were drawn to you because you were truly a friend. You cared, you listened, you ate with, you spent time with those on earth. You didn't set yourself up in some building and just stood there and preached, which, you know, all of us needed another truth and preaching is not bad, but you walked among those who often the Pharisees and those religious people would never have been around. And you showed them that this is what you came to earth for. And I pray, Lord, that you will help each of us to just do the same, to reach out, to love, to care, to pray for, to ask questions of all those who are around us, people that we may think will be the last person interested in building a friendship with us, we might surprise that those might be the ones that are most drawn to the message that we have. So Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts. I pray that we may be prayerful and considerate of those who you have brought into our lives, those if you have put in our neighborhood, put in our um, communities, put in our jobs, that you will show us how to love and care as you have loved and cared. I pray for John and Dave as they continue to pastor and lead conferences and um, encourage others to draw close to you and to friend those in their neighborhoods. I pray that you will bless their ministries. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friend, I am so thankful that you tune in. I pray that these conversations that I have encourage you. I am so blessed as I sit down with these books, as I read through them, skim through them, come up with questions, think about um, what I want to share and what I want my um, guests to share. I am so encouraged and I pray that you are encouraged as you listen. I would love for you to share this podcast. Let your friends know about it. Go over to iTunes and leave a review. That really makes a huge difference. But most of all, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for caring. And thank you for letting God whisper to your heart. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.